Gospel of Luke chapter 10. So we started last week the third section of our series, Jesus period through the Gospel of Luke. And this third section is called the Son of Man. As we look at what Christ has done to seek, come to seek and to save us. And so today we've got probably a familiar passage to many of us. And I'm praying that God would speak to us in a great way from Luke chapter 10 starting in verse 25. These are the words of the Lord. It says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him passed by on the other side, Side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you so much that you have sent Jesus for us to love us. Lord, so that we might know what are the heights and the depth and the breadth and the length of the love of God. And Lord, as we come to your word today and we think about the idea of loving our neighbor as ourselves God, may we look to Jesus and be so full of His love that it just overflows to everyone and anyone that we meet. God, would you show us the love of Jesus today, and might we show that same love to others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I grew up in the 80s, and that means I grew up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. The show was on PBS, and it was about teaching young children how to be good neighbors. Fred Rogers started the show actually in 1968 when he felt like people had just lost the ability to be good neighbors. So he would have guests on his show. He would teach lessons through these little puppets that he made. He would even go out into the community and meet real neighbors. And the beginning, if you ever watched the show, the beginning was always the same. He would walk in the door. 
He would take off his suit coat and put on a, a comfy little cardigan, a sweater. He would take off his dress shoes and put on the comfy sneakers that he had. And he would always sing that signature song, right? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Now, if you don't know, Fred Rogers was actually a minister. And it was his strong Christian convictions that led him to want to make a difference in our world. You see, Fred knew that the world that we live in, there's something wrong with this world. And it's something that we all know ourselves. Fred knew that it's hard to be a good neighbor. I mean, there's something terribly wrong with this world. And, and if we're honest, there's something terribly wrong with us that makes it incredibly hard for us to truly love our neighbors as ourselves. I mean, there's nothing more basic to our calling as humans than to love other humans. Yet, for so many different reasons, it seems like there's nothing really more difficult than to actually love other people. And so that's where we find ourselves in the Word of God today. God's Word is calling us to see what it looks like to actually love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus is talking with a religious expert and we see even in him the struggle that we have to love others as ourselves. And Jesus is calling us then to the kind of religion, the kind of devotion that actually changes the way that we treat people. He's inviting us into the life-giving, self-sacrificing love of God. And he's inviting us to share that same love with anyone and everyone that we meet. And so my prayer for us today is that we would be so full of the love of Jesus that it would just overflow to others around us. My prayer is that we would share Jesus' life-giving love with every neighbor that we meet. So let's dig into the story. Let's look to God's Word. Look with me again at verse 25. Luke tells us, Behold, a lawyer stands up to put Jesus to the test. Now, Luke is talking about an expert in the law of God. Don't think about someone like Flora Templeton Stewart. This is a Bible expert. And he's got a great Bible question for Jesus. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Man, that's a great question, right? There's no better question that we could ask. I hope that you've asked that question at some point in your life. If you've never asked it, today would be a great day to ask that question. What do we got to do to have eternal life? Now, he's not just talking about going to heaven someday. He's talking about experiencing the blessing of God's eternal love. How do we get that? How do we get the blessing of God's unending love forever in his kingdom? And so this is a great question the man is asking. But Luke has already told us he's not really interested in the answer. Look at what it says there in verse 25. He asked this to put Jesus to the test. You see, these experts in the law, these religious leaders did not like Jesus. And so here's a man, here's one of them seeking to test Jesus. So in verse 26, Jesus turns the question back on him. You're a lawyer. You're a teacher of the law. How do you read it? And look at his response in verse 27. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself? That's an amazing answer. That's the right answer, in fact. You see, this was a common way to summarize all of God's law. All 613 laws basically come down to love God and love your neighbor. And in fact, this is the very same answer that Jesus gives when they question him about what's the greatest commandment. The lawyer is quoting from Deuteronomy 6. The greatest calling that we have is to love God with everything that we are. He's also quoting from Leviticus 19. The greatest calling that's along with that is that we might love our neighbors as ourselves. So it makes sense that Jesus responds to the lawyer in this way. Look at verse 28. He says, you have answered correctly. That's right. You got it. A plus. That's the right answer. But then notice what he says. Do this and you will live. That's it. That's the key to eternal life. Love God with everything that you are. Love your neighbor and you have eternal life. All right. Great. It's that simple. Let's pray. Let's go home. Right. Well, we know it's not really that simple. Right. What about all those times that I haven't loved God with all of my heart and my soul and my strength and my mind? What about the times that I've failed to love my neighbor as myself? What about when I struggle to love God or to love others? What about the times when I'm just being honest? I don't want to love God and I don't want to love other people. What do we do about that? But we're not the only ones with that problem. Look at verse 29. It says, The lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Now this might seem like another good question. Who's my neighbor? And, and the lawyer might mean something like this. Jesus, look, I got so much love in my heart for people. I just want to love everybody. You just you point me at somebody to love, and I'm just going to love the mess out of them, Jesus. Just show me who to love. That's not what he means by the question. You see, this lawyer has the same problem that we all have at times. We struggle to love our neighbors as ourselves. Notice that Luke says he wanted to justify himself. What does that mean? What does it mean he wanted to justify Himself. Well, he was trying to get himself off the hook for loving certain people. You see, the question was less about who he had to love and more about who he didn't have to love. I mean, surely there's people out there that we don't have to love, right? He was looking for the smallest amount of neighbors to love. Yeah, we got to love some people, but surely we don't have to love everyone. As one pastor said, he was trying to make the list of neighbors as small as possible, and he wanted to make sure there was no one on that list that he didn't like. And so before we point the finger at this lawyer, then we have to be honest and say, we struggle to do the same thing too, don't we? I mean, we try to get off the hook for loving people too. I mean, we know we got to love some people, but does Jesus really expect us to love everybody? Everyone, here are some ways I think that we can be tempted to justify ourselves. Ways that we may try to get off the hook for loving other people. Think about the racism that our black neighbors experience in our country. I mean, we, we hear the stories of discrimination. We can 
read the stats that say they're certainly not treated equal in some ways. And what do we tend to do? We tend to say things, well, I'm not a racist. I would never treat anybody like that. I don't even see color. The truth is we can be tempted sometimes to say these things and actually do nothing to love them. We can, we can let ourselves off the hook by saying, well, I'm not like that, so I guess I'm good. But we're called to love our neighbors as ourselves. That means we must speak up for those without a voice. That means weeping with those who weep. That means lending a hand to bear the burdens of others. Think about the international neighbors around us. Bowling Green's full of international people, and they're people that God has called us to love. But still, I think we're tempted to try to get ourselves off the hook. We can see people who came here illegally and think, well, they broke the law, so we don't really have to love them. Or we can see refugees around us and say, surely there's somebody else that's going to help them, so I guess I don't have to do that. We can see people who don't look like us, don't live like us, they don't even speak English and think, well, how could we even love them? And so we try to get ourselves off the hook. But we're called to love our neighbors as ourselves, even if they don't deserve it, even if we don't know how to help them, even if we can't speak their language, we're still called to love them in some way. But still we struggle to justify ourselves and try to let ourselves off the hook. Well, those people I don't really have to love. I don't know about you, but I've got lots of conversations in the car with my boys when we pull up to a street corner and someone is begging for money. There's lots of people in Bowling Green begging for money and, and my boys want to help them. And that's a great thing. But of course, as we're talking, I've got all of the reasons why we're not going to help them, right? There's better ways to help people than just give them money. Maybe they've made lots of bad choices in their life. I mean, who knows what they're even going to do with the money that we give to them. Now, I'm not saying that we necessarily have to give those people money, but, but there's a temptation here to think those people are people that we don't really have to love. I mean, I'm off the hook. I don't have to love them. And that's exactly what the lawyer is doing here. That's what we're often tempted to do. And so what Jesus does then is he, he tells this story to challenge that way of thinking and that way of loving. Look at verse 30 again. So here's Jesus' answer to the question, who's my neighbor? A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. So the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was about 20 miles and it was full of twists and turns. It was very rocky and hilly. There was caves and cliffs everywhere. This was the perfect place to mug people. If you're a thief, this is where you go to steal. And so Jesus tells us that this man is traveling down the road, and this is what happens. These robbers attack him. They rob him. They strip him even of his clothes. They beat him, and they leave him in the ditch half dead. And so this wounded man is in a desperate situation. Not only has he lost everything, but if somebody doesn't come soon, this man is going to die there on the side of the road. 
But look, as the story goes on, someone did actually come. Jesus says, by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed on the other side. Now, when we see a priest coming, we should think, oh, great. Thank God someone is coming to help this man. Priests were the holy people of God. And if anybody is going to love their neighbors, surely a priest is going to do it. But the priest sees the man and he walks to the other side of the road and keeps on his way. God's holy servant failed to love the wounded man. He failed to love his neighbor. But look, there's still hope. Jesus tells us someone else is coming. Verse 32, so likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him. Now, who are Levites? They were part of the priestly family, but they themselves couldn't serve as priests. They were kind of like assistants to the priests. They did all the grunt work for the priests. And so maybe this guy is going to help. Maybe he could get his hands dirty and help this man. But Jesus said he refused to help the wounded man as well. In fact, Jesus said he actually went to the place where the man was. He like stood over the man and looked at him. Saw him lying there on the ground dying and decides to go back to the other side and continue on his way. He too decided not to help the wounded man. So things are not looking good for our wounded man, but there's hope again. A third person comes and approaches him. Now we might expect Jesus to say something like a farmer or a carpenter came along the way. Maybe Jesus wants to criticize the religious leaders and just make an average Jew be the hero of the story. But Jesus, Jesus says something shocking. The people listening, their jaw would have hit the floor when he said a Samaritan as he journeyed approached the man. You see, the Jews hated Samaritans. They were distant relatives and who had intermarried with other nations and so they saw them as unclean half-breeds. They wouldn't eat with them. They wouldn't do business with them. They would walk for miles and miles just to go around their cities. You see, a Samaritan would have been the very last person they would have expected for Jesus to make the hero of this story. You see, if Jesus were telling the story today, he might have said something like, a pastor and a ministry intern walked on the other side of the road, but a drug dealer saw him and came and had compassion on him. See, Jesus tells us that this Samaritan does what the priest and the Levite refuse to do. He loves this wounded man. He has compassion on him. And, and look at all of the things Jesus says he does to help a complete stranger. He goes to him. He wraps the man's wounds. He pours his oil on him to ease his pain. He pours wine on the wounds to help heal them. He picks the man up and puts him on his own animal. He takes him to an inn. He stays with him all night and nurses him back to life. And then in the morning, he pays the innkeeper enough money for the man to stay there for almost a month. And then on top of that, he says, I'm going away, but I'm going to come back. And if I owe you anything else, I'm going to pay the remaining debt. 
I mean, this good Samaritan goes above and beyond to love and to care for the wounded man. He's the only man in the story who truly loved a neighbor as himself. And so at the end of the story, Jesus asked the lawyer, look at verse 36. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor? Which one proved to be a neighbor? The lawyer couldn't even say the word Samaritan. And so he says, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus replies, yes, you go and do likewise. You see, Jesus flipped the question around. The lawyer was asking, who is my neighbor? But that's not the question. The question is, what kind of neighbor will you be? Jesus knew the lawyer was trying to get off the hook of loving certain types of people. And so Jesus turns the tables on him. Jesus shows him, if you're not willing to love with the same kind of selfless, sacrificial love, then you are not a good neighbor. And if you can't love your neighbor as yourself, that proves that you don't truly love God. Jesus' story shows us that religious devotion without real love is empty. It's worthless. If we cannot love the person that we see right in front of us, how can we love God who we do not see? Now, this would put us in a hopeless situation if it weren't for someone better than the Good Samaritan. I mean, how can we get a heart that actually loves God? How can we get to the place where we actually love our neighbors as ourselves? We would be completely hopeless if it weren't for Jesus. You see, we were in a desperate situation. Our sin and our rebellion against God had left us wounded and under the curse of death. But Jesus left heaven and he came to the place where we were. He saw us under wounded under the curse of death and he had compassion on us. He poured the oil of his mercy to ease our suffering. He poured the wine of his love to heal our wounds. Jesus lifted us from danger. He brought us safely to God. He cared for us and brought us back to life. And he paid for every single one of our debts. You see, the Good Samaritan is just a picture of the great love of our Savior, Jesus, that he's given to us. And friends, it was on the cross that our Savior, Jesus, proved the depths of his love for us. Because you see, Jesus is not just the Good Samaritan in this story. Jesus is also the wounded man. You see, Jesus too fell among robbers as he was crucified between two thieves. He was stripped naked. He was beaten half to death. And he was rejected and ignored by priests and Levites. But unlike the wounded man, no one came to help Jesus. Instead of pouring oil to ease his pain, they gave him bitter vinegar to drink. Instead of pouring wine to heal his wounds, they pierced his side. And instead of nursing him back to life, they killed him on the cross. Jesus, the wounded man, died. But he did that for us. Because he loves us. 
By his death, Jesus proved the riches of God's mercy and love. It's when we experience the overflow of the love of Jesus, that's when we can then truly love our neighbors as ourselves. You see, this story is not about working really hard to love people. It's not about how you just need to go on your own, try to love people. You see, when we receive the compassion and the mercy of Jesus, His love is going to pour through us to others. If you've never accepted the love of Jesus, then friend, you are in a desperate situation. But Christ offers His love to anyone who will confess that desperation and call upon Him for rescue. Jesus is full of compassion and mercy, and He loves to save sinners. And so if He has never saved you today, would you confess your sins? Would you believe in Jesus? Believe that He lived and died and rose again to show you love and to save you. If you would do that today, even for the first time, you can be saved. Call upon the name of Jesus and He'll save you even today. So don't leave here today without receiving the gift of Christ's free love. Because you see, it's Jesus' love that's the answer to our question. How can we truly love others and so prove that we have eternal life? Jesus is the answer. How can we get past the temptation to justify ourselves and let ourselves off the hook from loving people? Jesus is how. We love because He first loved us. We can go and do likewise, like He says in verse 37, when we first receive His abundant love. This parable is not about earning your way into God's kingdom by loving people really well. You just go be a good Samaritan and you're going to go to heaven. It's not about that. This parable is about experiencing the life-giving, self-sacrificing love of Jesus and then sharing that love with anyone and everyone we meet. It's about receiving the overflowing love of Jesus and letting His love overflow to others. Okay, so what can that look like in our lives? How can we receive the love of Jesus and pour it out on others? As we close today, I've got four types of neighbors. I promise we'll go quick. Four neighbors that we can seek to love with the very love of Jesus. First, love neighbors in desperate need. Love neighbors who are in desperate need. We don't need to miss a really simple application from this story. It's true that this story is not just about being good people, but it's also true that we need to love neighbors when they're in desperate need. Martin Luther King Jr. puts it like this. The priest and the Levite ask themselves, what would happen to them if they helped the man? But the Samaritan asked himself, what will happen to the man if I don't help him? When we find someone in danger like the wounded man, the love of Jesus should compel us to help. When we see a family struggling to pay bills or to feed their kids, the love of Jesus should compel us to help. Now, it'll probably interrupt our plans. 
I mean, who knows where that Samaritan was going or where he had to be? It'll interrupt your plans. It'll cost you time. It'll cost you money. And it might even be hard to love at times. But friends, Jesus loved us when it was hard. I mean, is there anything harder than dying on the cross and bearing the full wrath of God for our sins? Yet he loved his own until the very end. So brothers and sisters, let's love our neighbors who are in desperate need with the same love that Jesus has given to us. Second, love neighbors on the outside. Love neighbors on the outside. The the Gospel of Luke over and over is challenging us to love people who are on the outside of society. The poor, the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, the drug addict, the refugee, the single mom, the, the criminal, the truth, the truth is, is that we are surrounded by all of these people who are on the outside and no one is loving them. I mean, it can be so easy to love people who are just like us. It feels safe to love people who are just like us. But friends, Jesus suffered outside the camp so that we too might go to him and love those who are on the outside. So why not look for an opportunity to love someone on the outside? Get involved with Hope House or Refuge Bowling Green. Mentor a student in the fall at Parker Bennett Curry. Consider being foster parents. Find a single mom and become best friends with her. I mean, the truth is we can't all love everyone, but we can love someone. So why not pray for God to send you someone on the outside to love. So brothers and sisters, let's love our neighbors on the outside with the love that Jesus has given us. Third, love neighbors in your neighborhood. I mean, this one just seems a little too simple, right? I mean, when Jesus calls us to love our neighbors... Does he really mean like the people who are really literally our neighbors? Listen to this quote from a book called The Art of Neighboring. It says, if we don't take Jesus's command literally, then we turn the great commandment into nothing more than a metaphor. We need to apply Jesus's teaching to our literal neighbors, real people with real names, phone numbers and addresses. I mean, think about this. Why do you live where you live? Man, because it was a great apartment, had good price, and a nice pool. Is that why you live there? Because this house is in a great neighborhood and a great school district. Think about this. Why do your neighbors live next to you? I mean, wouldn't it be so great if God looked at all of the unbelievers in our city? He looked at all of these people who need love, and then he decided to put his people right there in that neighborhood with them. Wouldn't that be amazing if God did that? Friends, God has already done that. It's us. God has placed us in our neighborhoods to love the literal neighbors with the love of Jesus. How many neighbors do you know even their first name? How many neighbors do you know how to even love them? Jesus came for us. He sought 
us out. He became like one of us. He neighbored us so that he might shower us with his love. So church, let's love our neighbors, our literal neighbors, with the same love that Jesus has given. And lastly, number four, love neighbors in the church. Brothers and sisters, Jesus was clear. It would be our love for one another that would show the world that we are His. Listen to what He says in John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. There are people in this church that need your love. There's people suffering that need your love. There's people hurting that need your love. There's people lonely that need your love. There's people anxious that need your love. There's people depressed that need your love. There are people wandering away that need your love. There are people trapped in sin that need your love. There are people about to give up on Jesus. And they need you to love them. Brothers and sisters, if Jesus went all in to love us, then how can we not also go all in to love one another? Now listen, Christ Fellowship, you are doing so well at loving one another. You really are. There's so many ways that so many of you are loving one another so well. But does Jesus' love ever run out for us? No, of course not. So our love for one another should never run out as well. Brothers and sisters, let's love one another with the same love that Jesus has given to us. Because you see, in the end, it's the love of Jesus that is our great hope. He loved us when we were unlovable. He loved us when we even justify ourselves. He loved us when we fail to love our neighbors. He loved us when we were wounded by sin. He loved us when we were under the curse of death. But not even death can stop the love of Jesus. You see, Jesus lives to lavish his unfailing love on us forever. So let's be full of the love of Jesus and let it overflow to everyone and anyone around us. Let's share the life-giving love of Jesus with every neighbor that we meet. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for your word today. God, sometimes we come to a familiar passage like this and we can think we already understand it and already know. Or we can tempted to be think that it's just all about us and how we got to try really hard to be good and to love people. God, but we thank you that Jesus tells us this story to expose the ways that we're just like that priest and that Levite where we try to justify ourselves and fail to truly love our neighbors. But we're thankful that this story also gives us hope. Hope that someone would have compassion on us. Someone would come to us and 
and heal us. Someone who would bring us to life and who would pay our debts. So we thank you that Jesus is the better good Samaritan who has loved us in that way. But we thank you also that Jesus is the wounded man. Lord, that by his stripes we have been healed. Lord, through his suffering, through his death on the cross, he has showered us with your unending, unfailing love. And as we look to Jesus, our wounded Savior, may we find hope in him then to receive his love and to so give that love to others. God, I pray for anyone here who doesn't know the love of Christ, who's never been rescued from their sins, who's never been saved. God, would they today look to Jesus and be saved for the first time? Would they trust in him? Would they receive the free gift of his love? Lord, we pray that they would do that today. And God, for those of us in Christ, might we love God, the neighbors that you have placed around us. God, we pray that you would help us to to love those who are in times of desperate need. To, God, to love those who, uh, Lord, that you have placed around us. Even those who are on the outside of society, might we love them, Lord. Help us to love the people that you have literally moved us next door to, God. And help us to love one another with the same love that Christ has poured out on us. God, as we look to Jesus, as we receive the blessings, the eternal blessings of his love, might we go and love with the love that he gives. God, would you do that for our good and for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.